If you have never been in a courtroom, I am happy for you. (laughs) I remember as a young pastor being asked by a member to go at my church to go with her to a courtroom. And her son had been arrested and he was facing charges. And she wept as they brought him out in the standard orange jumpsuit to face the judge. It was indeed a very sad scene and she was so panicked for the well-being of her son. And I've been in a few courtrooms since and seen others that I cared for hauled before judges and taken into custody. And it's a heartbreaking thing to see someone you love condemned in a court of law. I myself have also not been in the courtroom for my crimes, (laughs) but have sat under the judgment of other people at various times and in various situations. And there are few things that are so humbling or humiliating as being judged by a group of people and to be found wanting. It is that sense of being judged that we're going to look at today as we begin our new series in 2023 entitled, If God is For Us. Paul begins chapter 8 by saying, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As I was praying about where to begin in the new year, I was sort of feeling the weight of all the things that many of you are going through from deep bouts with physical illness to great concern about your future, great concern about the future of the community in which we live, concern about the the country in which we live, and it creates this kind of powerless feeling that, that can become overwhelming and makes us feel hopeless. So how do we keep from falling into that trap? And in my own reading, I'd read this chapter during the, during the fall, and I began to think, it, it, God kept taking me back to these words in, in Romans chapter 8. The, the book of Romans was written by Paul to uh, believers, Christians who were living in the city of Rome, and he had met some of them. He had never been there yet, but he had met some of them. <clears throat> And so there were already Christians in Rome when he was writing this letter that had already spread that far. And what you need to realize is is that initially when Christianity took root, it started in Israel and it was perceived as an offshoot of the Jewish faith. It was perceived as a sect or a border group of Judaism. But as it continued to spread throughout the whole Roman world, and it spread very, very quickly so that within a a couple decades, there's already a church established hundreds of miles away in the city of Rome, it became more and more clear that Christianity and Judaism were not the same religion. And under Roman law, new religions were illegal. Judaism, because it was older, had been tolerated and was legal and it was accepted within the Roman Empire. But anyone who embraced Christ found themselves doing something that was considered outlaw by the emperor of Rome. 
And that continued to percolate and create immense tensions to the point where the emperors of Rome would eventually use this against Christians and they would face very, very severe persecution. Paul himself in his ministry, not even having made it to Rome yet, faced tremendous trials in his life. And from what God had taught him through his trials, he wanted to give them courage and encouragement in the Lord Jesus. To, so he wrote to them this letter anticipating that he was going to get there someday. We estimate that the letter was probably written around 57 A.D. He was perhaps on his third missionary journey in the city of Corinth when he penned it hoping that he would one day find his ability to go there to Rome and be able to share with them and receive from them and give back to them, as is the nature of Christian ministry. He probably didn't realize it at the time that he was writing it that the way he would arrive at Rome would be as a prisoner of the Roman Empire and not as a free man. So chapter 8 in Paul's letter is one of the high points of the encouragement that He gives them in the midst of all the struggles that they face. And I would like us to think about the message in the, just the first two verses of chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, which says, in, "...there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death." Now, I want you to see two things this morning. I want you to see a problem we face and the solution Christ provides. A problem we face and the solution that Christ provides. The problem is the problem of a sense of condemnation. When you hear that word, what comes to mind? Have you ever felt condemned? What makes us feel that way? Well, there's, there's a variety of things that have made me feel that way. Perhaps you can identify, for instance, the wrong things that I've done. Things that I've done that I recognize that I'm guilty of. I have done something wrong, and, and I should feel wrong about that if I've done something wrong. And I feel condemned because I deserve to be condemned. But it doesn't help me escape from the shame of it all. Another thing that makes us feel condemned is, is failure, things that I hoped to achieve that I did not or that I was not able to accomplish. We may fail because of bad choices that we've made. We may fail because of circumstances out of our control, and we may fail because of bad choices that somebody made for us. Either way, we feel condemned within ourselves and discouraged because of the failures that we've had experienced in life. What about not measuring up? Things that were expected of me that I was unable to achieve. People have expectations of us, don't they? And they frequently will let us know when we don't measure up to their expectations. And the ways that they let us know that we don't measure up are often harmful and crippling. And because I don't measure up to the expectations of others, I feel condemned by them, and I doubt if others should love me as well. What about just not being able to do the things that we want or wanted to do? 
things I hoped for but didn't accomplish. We have expectations of ourselves that we do not measure up to. We can think of ways that we have let ourselves down. There are goals that I had, and perhaps I attempted them and I failed, or perhaps I didn't even start them. I struggle with a sense of defeat and self-condemnation, and these feelings leave us so discouraged. What about when we feel stuck or captive? Maybe there are things that I tried to overcome, but I failed, and I fell short, and I keep going back to them. Sometimes our faults can pile up like an accusing pile of shame. We think we know the solution, so we keep trying that same solution. We think it's good, only to find out that we do not know the solution to our problems, or that the solution is beyond us, or that perhaps the solution is completely out of our control. So we feel stuck and overcome by feelings of failure for our inability to change or improve. Perhaps there were advancements that I hoped I would make, that I hoped I would overcome, that I hoped that I would change. We thought that we would overcome our circumstances only to find our circumstances overcoming us, and we feel condemned. And then there's our weaknesses. Flaws in my character, flaws in my lifestyle, flaws in my human flesh that are apparent to me and are apparent to others. And I look at my life and I realize that there are these flaws in my character and that I'm quite mortal and it's sometimes very unreliable. And I begin to recognize in myself that I'm Resistant to change. Anybody here like that? I change very slowly, or sometimes I don't change at all. Why are there nods going like this? I don't know. So I see in myself a mixture of good and bad, and often the good, the good fails and the bad wins, and I feel condemned by my own, my own weakness and inability to change. And that situation is very similar to what we read from Romans chapter 7 before, back at verse 21. Paul, writing, says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells within my members. So, here's the Apostle Paul. He has been trained all his life as a Jewish rabbi. He's an expert in the law of Moses. He understood the ins and the outs of the teachings of the Bible. He loves the Bible, but he has a problem. As much as he loves God, and as much as he loves God's commands, he finds that there is this law or principle or repetitive power at work within his inner person, and as much as he loves the commands of God, there is this law or principle at work within him that leads him to disregard God's law and to put his own self and his own desires in front of God's. 
There are different perspectives on this passage. I think that Paul is writing here as a Christian who, even though he knows and loves God and struggles to obey God, finds this principle at work in his own life. I think Paul's writing as a Christian because I've struggled with this as a Christian, so perhaps I'm reading myself into him. So even though he has trusted Christ as Savior, he's wrestling within his own self to change, a struggle that gives rise to a sense of condemnation before God. Feeling condemned is crippling. The feelings of hopelessness and powerlessness and disapproval can haunt us and lead us to all kinds of unwanted feelings and potentially harmful actions. A person condemned can feel depression, anger, despair. Even if they are truly guilty of their actions, So how can a guilty person find hope to change? A lot of the feelings of condemnation that I spoke about earlier arise from our struggles with ourselves and other people. Paul's discussion aggravates this problem worse because he brings up God. There is this, and this is the problem that many people have with religion and they have with religious people. The constant talk about guilt and feelings of condemnation. But if God is good and He made us and we are His, and He made us for good, and He has commanded us to do what is good and right and true. And then we choose to do other than what God has commanded us. What do we do with that? To disobey God is to be truly condemned. Add to that the struggle we face as Christians... Now I've come to Jesus as my Savior. I believe in Him. I love Him. I want to follow Him, but I find it so hard to change, and I struggle to obey. Even when I want to obey, I feel condemned before it, and I feel even more condemned now. I know better. I know the right way, and I do the wrong thing anyway. I love God, but I disobey Him. I harm any people anyway. And that's why Paul says in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? You feel his despair? It's pretty hard to face life with any kind of confidence whatsoever and any kind of hope for the future whatsoever and find yourselves weighed down by defeat and condemnation. If we struggle with these things in our interpersonal relationships, how much more before God? Where do we find hope to face the condemnation of God or the condemnation of others and the condemnation of ourselves? It's a triple whammy, right? That's the problem we face. Not good news as we begin 2023, 
but it's the reality we face. And it's the reality that we feel within ourselves. And that's why when we get to verse 1 of chapter 8, the solution that Jesus provides brings profound hope and encouragement to those who hear it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Before our verse, Paul was talking about the law of sin and death, and we found ourselves trapped by our sin, by our desire to sin, and it leads us to death, and it's like this hamster wheel of wrong in the eyes of God that is, is headed the wrong direction. But Jesus has broken it, and now Paul writes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I was listening to a podcast this week by a pastor named John Mark Comer, and he took his congregation through this exercise. I'd like to do it right now. I'd like to invite you to close your eyes. And imagine seeing Jesus face to face. Open your eyes. When you imagine seeing Jesus, how many of you was Jesus smiling? Minority. Now, I get it. Scripture tells us that Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But Paul tells us that in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation, no condemnation, no condemnation. This points us back to chapter 5 in the book of Romans where Paul says earlier, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one can scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. By the shedding of His blood for our sins, Jesus took upon Himself 
all, not some, not most, not the majority, all of God's condemnation for our sins. And by dying for us, Jesus took our condemnation on Himself, and we are free from condemnation because Jesus took it from us and bore it away from us on the cross. We are freed by faith, by trusting, by believing, by acknowledging, by relying upon Him. It's not some debt or bill that we have to pay back or pay off like a credit card bill. Jesus paid it all, and we are free. In Christ, there is no condemnation for those who believe. God's frown over our sin is turned completely upside down, and the Father smiles together with the Son because what caused that frown has been paid in full by Jesus. And on the, instead of by us who deserve it. And there is no condemnation left for the child of God who believes in Him. And all of God's condemnation was poured out on the cross. And all that remains is His unconditioned love for us. <laughs> but, okay, what about the wrong things I now do as a Christian what about that struggle we talked about earlier? Uh, when, I know Christ came into my life, and, but there's still this law of sin and death thing that I sometimes go back to. And, and that's what he says, says in chapter 8, verse 2. He says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now, what does that mean? Well, before Christ came into my life, all that there was was this law of sin and death dynamic, okay? I couldn't stop sinning if I wanted to, and if you ever wondered why it's so hard to stop sinning, Paul says, it is the law of sin and death, and it's at work in my life. It's kind of like, it's like the operating system in your computer, um, like Windows 10, for instance, everything on your computer that you're doing is taking place on this foundational software called an operating system that's running in the background that's helping you do what you want to do. And Paul says that the operating system of the law of sin and death has been exchanged. It's been upgraded to the law of spirit of life. And the older obsolete programming is new. And God has sent the Spirit into our lives, and the Holy Spirit is better than and different from the law of sin and death. And we have a new way available to us by which we can function, and we are not stuck in a rut. We are not doomed to repeat the same mistakes. We don't need to be bound to our addictions. The Spirit of God within takes the effective work of the cross of Jesus Christ and energizes it within us, producing change. Not only trust Jesus' forgiveness of sin and freedom from all condemnation, but we trust the Spirit for freedom from condemning behaviors and thoughts. God's presence is within us constantly, and we are able to rely on Him and break out of our old ways. And we're going to talk a lot more about this in the weeks to come, but this is just getting you started. So if you like what you hear, keep coming, okay? 
let me just give you a small window into how the Spirit works through us uh, as a law or an energizing principle. So uh, last week I was facing a particularly difficult day, but I did have enough time in the morning to sit down and pray and uh, read a little bit from the Scriptures to try to encourage my heart. And I started thinking about all the things I had to do that day, uh, the people I was going to see, so my wife, Donna, and my mom. I started praying for them because I thought about seeing them and, and Becky and Rick and, and some of the uh, people I'm going to be seeing at the church that day. And, and I prayed about my work and I invited the Spirit to help me, please, Lord, help me be in sync with what you are doing through the day. And of course, as days do, they don't all go perfectly according to plan. So when things got off plan or different from what I scheduled, then I had to ask for more help from the Holy Spirit to deal with the various things, whether they be feelings or people or situations that came up. And I'd have to ask Him during the day for that because the Spirit of God lives within us. We are able to ask and invite Him to help us to live according to the new energizing law that He's placed in our old, and resist our old selfish way of life. And there's going to be more to come. This is just the beginning of it in Romans chapter 8. So today, <clears throat> we've looked at a problem we face, condemnation, and the solution that Christ provides. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Great. You get it? Good. Now, but how does that help you with the people? You know, the people who, who keep piling on the condemnation when you're not all that they think you should be? How does this help me with my own condemning words? How does this help me when I remember words said by a family member to me long ago for the father or a mother? How does this help me with condemning feelings from my boss or my coworkers? Or how does this help me with the failures that I've experienced in life? All this God stuff, well, that's nice, that's good, but where does this help me with the, the, the nuts and bolts, the things I say and do? Not just the God stuff. What if the God of all eternity, the Alpha and the Omega, who was and is and is to come, sent His Son for you? For you. And what if coming, that Son, Jesus, died for your sins so that they are paid for in full? And then, what if the Father and the Son sent the Spirit into your life so that there is a new energizing law at work within your heart instead of the same old, same old? If that God looks at you and me right now and says to us, there is therefore no condemnation left for you. I don't care what anybody else says or thinks. I don't even care what you say or think about yourself. I love you. You are free from condemnation. Does that help you overcome? That is why Paul writes in verse 31, 
if God is for us, who could be against us? If God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the eternal Trinity, is for us from beginning to end to provide for all of the needs of our lives, body, soul, and spirit, if that God is for us, who? Who can be against us? People can say what they want. They can do what they want. You can feel what you want. But if God has a say, and His say is not condemned, then you are not condemned, whether you feel it or not. And if the Spirit lives within you, He can actually help you remember and stop feeling condemned. Uh, in the seats in front of you, everybody has a Let's Connect card, and I would love to hear from you whether you are a first-time guest or a second-time guest or an all-the-time guest. And you can communicate with me using that card, and if, you, and if you struggle with feelings of condemnation today, if that's one of your battles, you can just put your name at the top and put pray for me. And as you're leaving, just drop it in the plate just inside the door here, and we'll pray for you this week. A Christian is someone who believes that Jesus has taken our condemnation upon Himself and has taken it away from us. And spiritual maturity looks like a person who is, has the Spirit living within them who is being energized by a completely new spiritual dynamic. If God is for us, who can be against us? So Christians here remember these things and ask the Spirit to help you to do battle with your thoughts by fighting back with the thoughts of God. And if you're here today and you don't believe that Jesus died for your sins and can help you be transformed, but you're thinking, you know, that's an interesting idea and maybe I need that, keep coming. Keep coming. You're welcome here. And if you find the thought of being free from condemnation beautifully attractive, I invite you to surrender your life to Jesus today and pray that He would forgive you and enter into your life for the very first time.